Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. You know, today I want to talk to you about the gift of faith. I believe more than ever that we're living in a generation that needs the activation of the gift of faith. Not only that, but we need an increase of the gift of faith. See, Jesus and belief in Jesus and coming to salvation in Christ is the beginning. It's the entry point of faith. But who knows that there's so much more that God actually wants to do? Am I in the right house? Okay. I'm just going to need you to talk back to me today because there's something that's activated when you begin to participate in what's been said and come into agreement with it, okay? So I'm going to talk to you today about the gift of faith. And 1 Corinthians chapter 12 actually unpacks the gifts that God has given to us by His Spirit. Now, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read that passage, but if you want to write it down so you can read it later, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It mentions out the gifts of the Spirit. Now, these are gifts that He gives to His children, to everyone as He desires. And so these are gifts that are given to you. Did you know that you get the opportunity to go home and unwrap a gift with Jesus? With the Holy Spirit? I love a good gift. Anybody? And I honestly believe that there is an impartation for the gift of faith in this house today and what God actually wants to do. And the thing is that the gift, the word gift from this passage of scripture actually means a divine grace. It means an extraordinary power. How about that? Opening up a gift that has power. A spiritual endowment. The word faith is the conviction of the truth of anything belief. It's the actual, in this reference, it's the actual ability to be able to trust God against all circumstances. Peter on water, natural circumstances. You can't defy the odds, you can't walk on water. Now look, I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're here and you're, you're, uh, you've just walked in with a friend. Maybe you came as a part of baptism and you're not sure what's going on. Just re- it's okay, it's a little bit different today, but just relax. God is real. He loves you, has a purpose and plan for your life and wants to actually see you set free and walk in a relationship with Him that will change your life. That's His heart. That's His desire. But this space that God is actually wanting to, to call you and I to is this gift and this space of doing something that goes against all circumstances, all situations. The gift of faith See, faith makes you a force to be reckoned with. Okay, you're not not there with me? Okay, all right. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Abraham journeyed to the land of the promise. By faith, Sarah conceived at a ripe age. Isaac was blessed uh, blessed Jacob and Esau by faith. By faith, Joseph overcame temptation, the pit, the prison, and he landed in the present, in the palace. Moses was led... By the people, uh, sorry, Moses led the people to the promised land by faith. The walls of Jericho fell down by faith. Daniel survived the night with the lions by faith. Three boys didn't smell like smoke when they worked through the fiery fiery furnace. They came out not even smelling like smoke by faith. Esther saw the king by faith. Ruth pursued Boaz, hello somebody, by faith. By faith. 
See, I need you to uh, go on a journey with me. Uh, my parents were here last weekend, and, um, and so like, the short version is my parents came here in the 70s. Uh, my dad got saved. My mum brought him to the Lord. They got saved. They started coming to this church. They got married. They had tried to conceive to have a child. They were praying for four years. They were told by medical professionals that it was not possible that my mum could fall pregnant. But they were in a house of faith. And so literally, they went to a life group. You should get into a life group. It's a great place to be. It's where miracles happen. They went into a life group. The life group leader was leading and, and talking and praying and, and, and speaking into this space. And my mum responded. My mum responded. He prayed for her in the house laid hands on her. She fell under the power of the Holy Spirit, which simply means she was laid out. She was overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And she literally got up and four weeks later was pregnant with me. I say that because I was conceived by faith. I was conceived by faith. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, in my family, we were known as a house of faith. You didn't say we were a Christian family because Christian can mean anything. But when you're a believer and you've got faith, my mom was like, no, 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 we're a, we're a faith family. And, and as, as my mum uh, started to unpack with me, started to unpack with me this journey that she went on in the last week, oh man, something was stirring in me. Something was stirring in me. See, I was, I was born in my family by faith, conceived by faith, and then I had to be sustained by faith. Let me unpack what that means with you. I was an asthmatic from the age of two. I had the first asthma attack and it literally, um, it nearly took my life. My lips were blue, the doctor turned up, they raced me to the hospital, got me sorted out. But from that point on, my life was struggled with asthma. My mum said to me this week on the phone, she said, Cherie, the miracle was that I knew every time I took you to the hospital and they intubated you and they put you on a machine to help you breathe, I knew that you were going to be okay because you were conceived by faith, received by faith, and I, she was literally in that space of like, you're sustained by faith. And so in that moment, my mum began to declare over my life the promises of God for healing for my body. So I was conceived by faith and I was sustained by faith my whole life. And I haven't got time to unpack that with you today. But you know what? Faith is an amazing thing. It's, it's, it's not some ideological thing that you have in your head. It's something that's conceived on the inside of you. And when you know that you need to respond to Jesus, often your heart palpitates, you can feel it inside of you, you don't understand everything, but you know you've got to respond. It's that kind of faith that I'm talking about. But I've come to realize that there are kind of like different scales of faith. And when I say different scales of faith, I'm talking like, you know, you've got faith when you believe. So you've got believing faith, the entry point of faith. You've got this faith, the small as a mustard seed kind of faith. You've got faith that, that, that Jesus actually prays against, um, uh, prays, uh, pray, prays against. He prays for it not to affect you, which is like a neglected faith. He prays against the falling faith that you would not fall away from the faith. There's a strong faith. There's an uncommon faith. There's Stephen who was a man full of faith. So there's these variances of faith. My question to you today is, where do you fit between believing faith and the gift of faith? Maybe you've had a disappointment. Maybe something's happened to you. Maybe something has underrided that. Maybe you've been in a season where you have not seen the breakthrough come and so faith is waning. Have you ever been there? See, 
I don't know where you're at with your job, your business, your child, your marriage, or your health, but I know this. My God is still a God of miracles. My God is a God who still saves. My God is a God who brings about restoration of marriages and brings home lost children. This is who He is. And you know, I, it's funny because I think I told you when I first, uh, a couple of months ago, when I first preached on, on, on miracles are normal. The question isn't, are miracles normal? The statement is, miracles are normal. And when I talked and preached into that space, I shared a story about my cousin. So I told you I grew up in a house of faith, conceived by faith, sustained by faith. Faith was everything I believed in. I walked out, played, prayed for the clouds to disappear so I could go on the slippery side and believe that God would do it. I went fishing and with a fishing line declared that God was going to bring multiple fish to my fishing line. Like I just believed that God was who He says He was and could do what He said He was going to do. I had no doubts. No doubts whatsoever. Actually, in hospital, I didn't say this in the morning service, but in hospital, I would walk around. My parents lived in Narry Warren. I was in the Royal Children's Hospital all the time, in and out of hospital. And so I got to know the staff. I got to know the kids and I got to know people in there. I was in the lung ward. So you got cystic fibrosis. You got all these different diseases. And literally, I would walk around with my Walkman, which was a cassette. Might give it away how old I am. But walked around with my Walkman and it had all of these praise and worship songs on cassette. And I would sit in my bed and I would pray and I would believe. And then I would literally walk into people's rooms and just stand with them and talk to them and then ask them if they would like me to pray for them. And as a result, I started to see this faith activated inside of me. By the age of 16, where I had the most faith for was my cousin and he died at the age of four. He had a long story, go back and check the other message out. But he died at the age of four, left me devastated disappointed, disillusioned. Now, I could never walk away from God, but I knew the power of God, and so I knew who He was, and I knew I could never walk away from Him, and I was frustrated at the fact that He didn't come through. Have you ever been there? I was devastated. I was disappointed. And I would petition God, and I would lay hands on Him. Every weekend, I looked after Him, and I'd pray for Him to believe that God was going to do a miracle, and it didn't come through. And at that point, I could never walk away from God because I knew who He was, but I questioned in my heart, did he want to? I know you can, but do you want to? Have you ever been there? See, the thing is, is that in that season of my life, I went to the graveside, I buried my cousin, I still believed by faith that God was going to raise him from the dead. I just had that type of faith. Call it crazy faith. You might think I'm crazy. I'm not, but crazy faith. And honestly, in that moment when we buried my cousin, I was so dead set that God was going to raise him from the dead and it was going to be a massive testimony. And it didn't happen the way I thought it happened. But he did a work in me. I walked around for two years angry at God, but then God touched my life and changed my outlook, changed the way I saw it and started to heal the inner part of me that was broken. 20 years later, I found myself at my cousin's graveside as the Holy Spirit led me to go there, I drove in, I sat at his graveside, and I was like, this is stupid, what am I doing here? I don't need to be, he's not here, he's in heaven. And God sat me down by the graveside, and he said, Cherie, when we buried your cousin, you buried your faith. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? And he's like, when we, and hear this, we, he was there with me through it all. Not for one second did he leave my side even when I didn't understand, even when I was angry, even when I was disappointed. 
He stayed by my side. And then literally, after that statement, he said, I'm about to resurrect your faith. I got up, and I tell you, I have not stopped on the pursuit of what God wants to do in this space of faith, miracles, and healing. I believe that God has deposited a gift and a grace into my life to see this unlocked in people's lives and to see healing break out, miracles break out, and faith be received and imparted to people's lives. I got up from that gravesite, I walked away, and I just began to believe that, you know, I didn't start, didn't, didn't lay hands on people and think, oh, mate, God, I know you can, but do you want to? No longer was there, oh, do you want to? There was this faith and expectation that was restored. But you know what? I'll be honest with you. I actually didn't see the outworkings of that in my life to the degree that I felt like was on my life. And, and, and honestly, I was so hungry. I'm mean, so in pursuit of what God actually wants to do in His people and through His people. And I've made it my life's dedication to be like, God, you said it, I believe it. You said it, I believe it. You said it, I believe it. But you know, often life gets in the way. There's some stuff that happens that causes our faith to come and go and up and down and everything in between. And I'm just like you. I've got situations and circumstances that I'm still praying for. I've been praying. God spoke to me when I was 18 and said, I was going to get married. I had a, okay, unpack it. Can't just say that. God spoke to me when I was 18 and said, if you want what I've got for you, you'll wait. I said yes to waiting to what God had for me. Didn't realize that it was going to be 25 years later. Well, I'm actually, oh, it'll be 25 years in July and I'm not married yet. So, but I know that God spoke His Word and it was conceived in me. I've carried that. I've hovered over that with the Holy Spirit. I've asked God to continue to do a work in my heart and in my life. And this is the thing. We, we often get discouraged by a length of time, but I believe that God's wanting to actually break down the walls and the barriers in people's hearts today to receive by faith a new deposit a good deposit of what God actually wants to do. And you know, I'm reminded as I'm thinking of this, of the passage in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And for the sake of time, I don't have time to unpack it with you. And we've got screens, but we won't lean. Uh, mm. We will lean into that space. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm learning. Whew. Okay, Numbers chapter 13 and 14. And I'm reminded of the story of the 12 spies that were sent out to the land to spy out the land and to see what God had ahead of them. And as 12 went, we know the story. And for those who don't, pretty much 10 came back and two, uh, 10 came, they all came back, but 10 came back with a negative report and two came back with a positive report. And we're going to unpack it with what they actually brought back. The Bible says in verse 23, it says that they came back to, uh, they came to the valley, they came back to the valley of Eskol and cut down there a branch, a single cluster of grapes. Now, single cluster of grapes, they had to carry it on a pole between two of them. Okay, been in the supermarket lately, bought any grapes? I've never walked into a supermarket and had to ask Aaron to come with me and grab a stick and grab a cluster of grapes and throw it on our shoulders and walk out. See, the land that they had been to was so full of the promises of God that everything was enlarged. Everything was amazing and increasingly, and Bible says, exceedingly good. 
But this is what happens. Check it out. Verse 25, it says, At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation and to the people of Israel at the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them fruit of the land. Showed them the fruit of the land. If someone bought in grapes that big, y'all, I am like dumbstruck, like, whoa, what the heck? Let's go. Just saying. So they bought in and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, the land we came to, which you sent us to, flows with milk and honey, and it is its fruits. However, the people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anarchy there, the Amalekites dwell there, the land of Negev, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, and every other Canaanite and every Vegemite that's there, they're all there along the side of the Jordan. But Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once to occupy the land, because we are well able to overcome it. Faith. And then the men who had gone up with them said, hey, 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 hang on a second. We are not able to go up against these people because they are stronger than we. They brought the people to the land, the bad report of the land, and that they had spied out. And saying, this land through which we have gone to spy out is the land that devours its inhabitants. Just a slight exaggeration. And all the people saw with it and in it are of great height. They saw the giants. There we saw the Nephilim. And so we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And we, so we seemed to them. They saw it themselves. They then projected that on somebody else. It goes on and unpacks in verse four, chapter 14. It says that they all came and grumbled again at the word that was spoken of faith. And literally, they grumbled so much, they said to Moses, you might as well just send us back to Egypt. You might as well just give us new leaders. They didn't like what they heard. They saw a faith vision in front of them, but did not like what they had seen. And commanding them to like, you know, step aside, let us have new leaders. Let us go back to Egypt where it was good for us. Uh, it's funny because Moses and Aaron and Joseph, uh, Joshua's response along with Caleb was that they tore their clothes because of the, the, the lack of faith in the people. And it says that as this happened in verse 6 and 14, it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb and the son of Jephunneh, uh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which we are passed through to spy out is exceedingly a good land. If you're not getting the picture yet, it's a good land. There's large grapes. It's a good land. And they pass through it and the Lord delights in us. He will bring it to us and the land to give to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are like bread to us. Few observations. They brought fruit to show them so that they could see. My question is today, what are you seeing? Because often what we do is we let the problem get in front of the promise. Let me say that again. We let the problem get in front of the promise. Because they saw the grapes. They saw the land. It was exceedingly great, but they chose to put the giants over the grapes. What giant are you facing in your life right now where God is saying to you, if you could see what I see, you would change your approach. You would see a deposit of faith come in your heart. See, this is the thing. 
When our eyes are on ourselves and our circumstances, we lose perspective. And we make the problem greater than the promise. But the thing is, the Bible says that we live by faith and not by sight. And we need to see what He sees and not see what reality is saying to us. See, unbelief is serious because it challenges the very character of who God is. Because that was a land that they were promised to walk in. That was a land that they were meant to receive. But they didn't. And the thing is, is that faith and unbelief spring from the same heart because you've got to see, you've got to understand this. There were 12 that went, 10 that came back with a negative word, two that came back with a positive word. They saw exactly the same thing. They saw the same city. They saw the same giants. They saw the same grapes. They saw the same land of milk and honey, but chose not to engage with belief. And this is the thing. I believe that God wants us to step into a season where we set our eyes on the promise and not the problem. The next thing I see in this passage is that when they walk into the land, the first thing they say, let me go back to it, in verse 13, chapter 13, sorry, it says that they brought back word to them and all the congregation and showed them the land, the fruit of the land. And we came to the land which was in us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruits. But verse 28, key word, however. Have you ever had someone come and start a conversation with you like, la, 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 however. However is not the language of faith. However is not the language that God wants you and I to partner with and to speak to. And then we went on and they said, besides, you know, it's the giants are way too big for us to take on. They would devour us. You need to know that what you magnify gets bigger. So we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, therefore we projected that on them. We were like grasshoppers to be devoured. But yet in the last verse of 49, uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 9, says that they were like bread to be devoured. Not that it would devour us, but they were like bread to be devoured. My question to us today is, do we speak to the situation or do we speak about the situation? Because I believe that the power of death and life is in the tongue, as the Word of God says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. He says that power of life and death is in your tongue. What are you saying? What are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about your family, your marriage, your kids, the problems, the workplace? What are you saying? Because God wants you to bring into alignment your tongue because He says in His Word in Luke, He says, speak to the mountain and it shall be cast into the sea. I'm telling you right now, there is a deposit of faith that God wants to do. And the power of a tongue is a huge part of that. Let me tell you this, the asthma component of my life. I went to a new church, I went to some youth pastors that were talking with me and said, we need to talk about the way you talk. I'm like, why? What did I do wrong? We've noticed that every time you talk about your asthma, you call it my asthma. My asthma's fine. My drugs are doing the job. My, 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 my. We want to challenge you to begin to talk about the asthma as if you don't own it because you have it because you're owning it with your words. And I believe that's a word for someone here today. You're walking around claiming that sickness. You're walking around claiming that problem. You're walking around claiming that your kid's never going to come back or the devil's in that kid. And I'm telling you right now that that power of the tongue is being activated by your spoken word. And God wants to resurrect a new tongue in you. He wants your tongue to come into alignment with the things of God. 
So we've got to stop talking about the situation and the problem. We've got to start talking to it by faith. I walked around after that, and in that moment, I went to a camp, had an asthma attack at that preparation for that camp, got there, set everything up, had to go to hospital, had an asthma attack, ended up in intensive care for two days while the rest of the crew were having their camp. Very disappointed. Mind you, activated by faith and frustration, I went from intensive care to the church on the Sunday night and said, I'm going to church. I know I have to be there because I'm sick of this thing robbing me. I've been partnering with it by saying, the asthma, the asthma, not mine, and I've come into an alignment with my mouth about what God wants to do. I rocked up to that meeting I sat in that service and as the man of God preached the word he'd been at camp all weekend I didn't know what happened over that weekend but there was something stirring and in that moment he came and he laid hands on me and prayed for me came in agreement with what God had spoken to me about and I have not been hospitalized for asthma since that moment I'm telling you there's a faith there's a faith stirring in this house there's a faith stirring in your heart there's a faith stirring in what God actually wants to do but the next thing I see that Caleb did in this situation is in verse 30. It says that he went and said to the people. Verse 30, he said, But Caleb quietened the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it because we are well able to overcome it. He had a faith declaration from his mouth that was aligned with what God actually wanted to do. Where is it in your life that you need to go, Shh, shh. I don't want you to speak anymore. I don't want you to say anything more. Did you know that in the, in the Old Testament, the story of the walls of Jericho that fell down? Do you know one of the commands that God gave them was you need to tell the people that they need to shut their mouths. I'm here to tell somebody today, you need to shut your mouth. The way you're speaking about that thing is going to bring cursing. It is not going to bring blessing. God wants to liberate you, liberate your mouth and bring it into alignment. And then he will say, now scream and the walls will fall down. Oh man, I'm telling you, there's something in this. There's something that God's doing. I don't know if you can feel it or if you can sense it, but there's an activation of faith taking place in this moment. But I'm telling you right now, we need to shut down the voices of unbelief in our life and even out of our own mouths. And we need to start to declare words of faith. We need to declare the scriptures of the word of God over our situations. My parents who I was telling you about were here last weekend and, and, and literally they're, they're now enjoying the freedom of uh, retirement life. They're blessed. But let me tell you this, my parents had a business, warehouse, delivering goods out to regional Victoria. My dad worked that business every day except for Sunday because that's the Lord's day. And he worked it every day and he poured into this business. They got to six years and they were like, we're going to sell the business. They went to a real estate, got someone, marked it all up, got all the papers ready to go. God woke my mum up, said, you are not to sell the business. I will sell it and I will bring someone to you that will buy the business. That was a six-year mark. This year marks 16 years before the promise was fulfilled. My mum and dad were literally at their last wit's ends. My dad had had a couple of injuries with his back and things from work and had to go and work care cover. And it was quite, quite, I've never seen my dad debilitated like that before. Uh, they continued to outwork it. They continued to do what they needed to do. But my dad was like, we need to sell this business. We need to sell this business. And mum's like, yes, God's going to bring someone. Yes, God's going to bring someone. And my dad was wrestling with this because he was the one that was affected by the incredible physical workload. And so he said to die, look, I've had enough. I can't do this anymore. My body's not holding up. I'm in agony. I can't do it. And so he got somebody that they got on the phone and started to talk to a real estate from Melbourne and say, hey, can you come up and give us a, an appraisal of the business? Can you come up and give us an idea about what the business is worth and, and, and propose to us what way we could do this and what way we could sell this? 
In that moment, my mum was like, Jack, we can't do this. God's spoken. We need to stay true, stay true to what he has spoken to us. My dad was struggling between this tension of like fear of the natural body failing and faith to believe that God was going to come through. And for 10 years, nothing happened. For 10 years, they were waiting for the promise. For 10 years, they thought it was going to be weeks after. For 10 years, they kept pressing into the place of prayer. My dad sat at his work shed one day on top of the pallets finishing up the day and was absolutely ruined, exhausted. And if I had a photo, I'd show you. He just looked absolutely haggard. And as he was there, a man walked off the street. One of dad's customers came in to pick up some goods. And he said, Jack, what's wrong? You look absolutely ruined and haggard. What, what, what's happening? My dad was like, oh, look, this business has taken it out of me. I've given it 16 years. I'm ready to retire. If somebody came into this place to buy this business, I would sell it because I am done and we've been believing for a miracle to happen and it hasn't happened yet, but I know God's true to his word and tomorrow I've got a real estate coming up to give us an appraisal. The day before that appraisal, this man walks in. He walks away. 20 minutes later, on a phone call, comes in and says, Jack, it's got someone here, wants to buy the business. 20 minutes, 20 minutes later, that dude turned up at my parents' business, stood there and said, I want to buy your business. And sold at the point of which we all get to. The tipping point. God, can I go another round? God, can we do this again? God, I keep praying about this. God, I keep, I keep believing for this. And in a moment, God's like, I'm here. I want to do the work of miracles. I want to do the work of healing. I want to do and drop the gift of faith into people's hearts today. This is the God that we serve. That when we shut down the voices of unbelief and we start to make declarations like Caleb did, we can come into alignment with God. what actually God wants. So you need to know this, that faith can't be tested unless it's trusted. Faith can't be tested, can't be trusted until it is tested. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses, uh, verses 6 to 7 says this, In this you rejoice, that though now through a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the testing genuous of your faith, more precious than gold, more perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, your, te your test is approval of your trust and dependence on Him. And at His Word, He speaks and something can shift and change. And I want to tell you today that the, the key to this is prayer. The key to this is persistent prayer. The key to this is coming back before the Father and bringing your unbelief. And just like the disciples, when they came before Jesus, they said, Jesus, help us increase our faith and help our unbelief. Today, let that be the prayer of your heart. That's what God wants to unlock. See, this is the thing. The people in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 had every opportunity to align their faith a second time, but didn't. They didn't align their faith with the confession of Caleb about what the promised land was. In actual reality, the frustration of, of this passage for me is the fact that God had given the promise to Moses, had given the promise to Aaron, to Joshua, and to Caleb, and the people but there were only four who remained in faith. The problem is that the leaders didn't stand and actually 
tell the people what they were doing and let the people's cries get all the louder and drown out what God actually wanted to do. I believe more than ever, there are voices in your world that would seek to say, it's not possible. It's not possible. But I'm telling you today, it is possible. It is possible. What is impossible with good man is possible with God. Do you receive that today? Do you receive it in your heart today? Because I'm telling you, if you receive this, there is something that God wants to activate in you that is going to go beyond what you have seen or imagined. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.